Thank you for listening to this program. I was reading in the first letter that John the Apostle wrote, not his gospel, but First John, it's called, in uh, chapter 4, but we all know these verses. Herein is love. And that's a, a statement within itself. Here's what love is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, and they have a, a big word there, propitiation, which to me is the, it means the expediter or the arbiter or the, ex, you know, the one over the estate to make sure it's all put out. And he's the way that we're forgiven. And like he says here in John, if we, in this same letter, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from it. And so he's our advocate with the Father. And he is the propitiation. And over here it says, herein is love that he loved us. We didn't love him and his love is towards us. So we should love one another because love is of God. And if you're born of God, you have love for each other. And then he sent his son to be the forgiveness. You could put that in there and be our, uh, close enough, I guess, for our sins. To be the way to to have the sins taken away and separated and put away as far as the east is from the west. And then over here, John says, my little children, if you do sin, don't forget, I mean, if any man sin or when he does, we have an advocate with the Father. Not a propitiation, necessarily. An advocate is more like a an advocate they're at they're putting themselves in there in your place advocating like it's me father that's what i'm saying or, or the in the courtroom somebody i don't know how that'd work but anyway he's our advocate because he is righteous it's his righteousness they belong to me and no our sinners dealt with and put away and we pay, as it were, the price of the opportunity we had to not be that way, if if nothing else. But and the, the problems that that come from that. But His righteousness is what we have, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And right there, I used to always kind of, as studying the Scripture and trying to, I, I had a glitch right there. Well, and. Uh, and you just keep going. But it does say what it says. He is the arbiter or the expert for the sins of the whole world. And not for ours only, but for all of the lost people. So that brings up the question right away. Uh, does God actually forgive lost people? I thought he only forgave saved people. Well, I'm not trying to tear down anything. I'm just saying, asking questions that uh, is that what it is. And if you look in Revelation, it's one of my favorite uh, parts of Scripture in a way. I'm not to be ugly, but just, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, and the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. They weren't anywhere. 
but I saw the dead, those that you were dead, but now you're alive, that those that are dead that don't believe in him, small and great, stand before God. I want to point out, I think they did believe after the great day of judgment. How could you not? And the books were opened and the book of life and the dead were judged, judged out of those things that were written in the books. Like he said, for instance, the Sodom and Gomorrah, they're in better shape than you in Bethsaida here because you reject me. And I think there were three kinds of people, those that uh, didn't believe in him at all and those that said, well, he's maybe the greatest prophet ever. And then there were those that saying, no, he's not the greatest prophet. He's not the Messiah. He's the devil himself. He's a deceiver. He's de- he's possessed by a demon. He's be- Beelzebub or whatever. And that that's the ones that he's talking to a lot of the time. And those that Nicodemus was one of those come to him at night saying, no, I really don't want to be seen, but I want to ask you a question. And the Lord answered it before he asked it. But here... The idea of the dead and small all gathered, the books were open, all their works, and they were judged on what their works were. According to what? I believe it's their human love. They'd say, well, you knew better than that, so you're judged for doing that. And another person, well, they were brainwashed. They didn't know any better. And that's up to God. He makes all them calls. He's the only one that can, the Lord himself. I am judge of all. And that's another word you can put in there is, and so does he forgive the lost? When he was being crucified on the cross, cursed, paying for our sin, made sin, he said, Father, forgive them. I assume that's going to include the lost people. They were the ones doing it, the Roman soldier. And he said, truly, he was the son of God after he died. But he's saying, Father, forgive them now for what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. So if that's not forgiving the lost, then I guess I'm out on it because that's how I have to understand that. And so, yeah, he can do that. And he's the judge. (laughs) Like James says, you're going to question him on it. Who do you think you are? God, the judge, the lawgiver? He is. But that brings up the idea of uh, different degrees of punishment. And I remember real well the conversation I had with a real friend. I had uh, another preacher that had been 20 years ago, but but uh, we were talking about the idea of, and that was kind of maybe older than newer idea, but to me it's the way it is. There certainly are degrees of punishment, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Everybody's not cast in a lake of fire all alike. And the grandma and grandpa that just didn't believe but were really good people, there, there's, well, they didn't believe in him. They, that's all based on they had a right to choose. And the Lord said, nobody can choose me and come to me unless it's given to them. And so those that it's given to, they come to him. Those that are not, he's going to torture them forever because they didn't do what they couldn't do. He's a just and righteous God, and he judges everyone on what they're given. And the lost are not given the spirit, but they do know good from bad in their own hearts. They, I used to feel that way before I knew him. I was, and I was two different people. I could be good or be bad. And anyway, but they were all judged, every man, according to their works. And he really does that. 
And so he, how do you have judgment? Like he said about Sodom and Gomorrah, they'll be better off and they'll tolerate judgment better than you uh, that reject me and call me evil. I think he meant those. Those that call him a great prophet of God, well, that is in a better camp than those that said, no, he's not a prophet. He's the devil himself. There's a big difference there. Or those that say, I don't know. I don't care. Uh, Messiah or not, I got stuff to do. That group. But those that did believe in him really did, really knew him. And those that didn't kind of knew that's who he had to be. But all we can do is kill him. That's the only way to get rid of him. And that's what they thought. But before all that happened, he said, Father, forgive them. So I assume that's what happened. So, yeah, he's he can forgive their sins. And he judges their sins. He judges every one of them, everything they did and not or what. Not on how it looked, but just like in their heart. What were you thinking? What were you doing? Why did you do it? Out of love or out of selfish love or what? That's for the lost people. And that's what Paul's saying in Romans, or in Peter says too in his writings is, oh, you know he's going to judge the lost, but guess what? He starts with us. Yeah, I'll take care of my kids, and then I'll get to you neighbor kids. Y'all just stand by there for a minute. Then they're going to say, oh, man, those kids that are his, they're in for it. <laughs> and that would be the, the case. But anyway, uh, he does that. And then those not found in the book of life were still ungodly, still creatures, still in the lake of fire, which can be. The lake is a confinement of fire, eyes of fire, trial by fire. Uh, confined, they're under the God's judgment forever and not torture. Torment, for the sake of the record, is the torment's like a touchstone diving down there and how deep you can, you know, throw something in water that's 50 feet or what, I don't know. And they go down there and barely can hold their breath, get down there and pick it up and bring it back up. And that's proof then that they touched the bottom because that, that touchstone, something like that, it's a standard or what, but it, but it's uh, it's that you are tormented, meaning I believe, honestly, just to put it out, I, I believe that in a way judgment is and can be proven to show it's making you see what you did and know what you did, not just pass judgment on you don't know what happened. Well, that's what they said. No, they it's all brought out and explained and shown what happened, how you made that person feel. And you take somebody like a mass murderer or Hitler himself. Uh, he's going to go down once or twice with the, here's the, the first Jew you put to death. Here's the, and, and all that. And then now we're on 1,200,000. Oh, no, I can't do it again. <laughs> I can't go down there again and feel like that mother and father felt and know what they felt and feel that pain and those kids. I don't want to do that. No, you will. You'll do it over and over and over. And he would say, I'm in torment here because I have to face over and over and over. So somebody would say, well, I only did that to a handful of people, my family, basically. And uh, I, I didn't kill any one of them, but I was ugly to them. So I don't have much to answer for. Well, that's true. And the, everybody gets what they got coming. And they're judged on what they did according to what they were given. And only God knows what happened to a man that became a killer and one that didn't. And only he would know whether it's the man's fault or not or what or halfway. So that's what it goes back to in the garden. Eve should have or should have. Who am I to say? But she could have told the serpent, look, 
I don't know why he put that up there. I don't know why you're telling me he's jealous. But I know one thing. He loves me with his whole heart. And he has a reason for what he does. And I trust in my love for him and his love for me. Not that I have to understand the reason he does something. And you want me to tempt me to eat that fruit? Why would God put all the knowledge he has in a fruit? And but see, that wasn't how it went down. It went down as like taking candy from a baby because she had no experience. That's the thing with the last of Adam was they were made different than Cain and Abel and everybody after that. They were made by the hand of God. One moment they weren't there and the next moment they were fully developed and ready to go. Just no experience. That's like a babe in Christ. The last Adam, man from heaven. He lives in us and makes us a baby and born. And, but we're, we're able to get up to speed pretty quick. Like Peter said, hopefully it won't take too long to realize it's all about love. It's all about that. And even people that are lost realize that. And that's basically what they're being judged on. But the believer is judged on more than that. And that's why I wanted to try to end on a good note here. Is the believer is judged on who they are. And the old nature and the old stuff and the world, all that's put away. And who he is in them that they profited as that person and grown and multiplied in him. They're still their own person. But they're him and him from a new seed. And that's so profound. And that's what's the difference in, well, he forgave those men that were crucifying. But did that save them? No. And I'll say this and I'll stand on it. Is that him forgiving our sins does not save us. Not that's part of it, but that's not it. And so he forgave them. Did that mean they were all saved? Well, probably not. Probably not. So for us being forgiven... In not technically speaking, it, he said, you're dead, and they believed in him. They said, no, we believe in you, love you, you're the Messiah, you're son of God, we know that. But he said to them, when I live in you, then you will live. And so they were still not born again, they were dead in sin. He had forgiven their sins, but he hadn't actually completed the process of what forgiving no that but of living in them and that's why i call peter satan is you don't understand i'm making the way to live in you i could forgive your sins just like i forgave them the lost people there when i was on the cross but he didn't and they weren't born again but so you have to just think about those things and realize his forgiveness for us is entirely different and so profoundly above his forgiveness for mankind. And even Sodom and Gomorrah and dealing with those things and judgment, judgment implies the fact somebody had to pay for something there or, or they are they all judged by the letter of the law. There is no spirit here, no judge. Well, no, he is. It's because he paid not for our sins only to be the judge over it and decide and forgive or not or what. Not that he forgives the lost of everything. I'm not saying that. But he did forgive some of them of some of the worst and but he'll judge them according to what they were given not according to how even everybody else saw them or they saw themselves he is the only one that can and it's righteous and just and everybody will say after that and i'll quit but i do honestly believe everybody kneels before him and i've heard it kind of put well they'll be made to if they don't what's that mean then i think they Great day of judgment, earth, heaven, gone, everybody exposed, shown, this, that. 
What are you going to do? I think even the worst. Kneel before him and say, you are who you say. No, I don't know you in my heart, but I do confess and know and acknowledge and kneel before you. You are the son of God. And so that didn't mean like Sodom and Gomorrah. That didn't, he said, if I'd have done among them what I've done among you, they would have repented. They would have at least said I'm a man of God and not said I'm a devil or something like that. But so then he would have to, they were given something more than the others. So who does that? Who pay? In him you live and move and have your being, sirs. He said to the philosophers on Athens, uh, in Athens, Greece, there on the, at the podium there, he sold them all. He said, in him, in Christ, you live and move and have your existence. Do you know that? And he's not very far from you. He's you. He knows you. He knows every thought you have. Why, did the Lord know the hairs of, of the number of hairs on the men that belonged to him, but the lost people, well, I don't know, on them. No, he would have, no I'm sorry, he would have known. He just knows. I'll never forget talking to one of my best friends there at the radio, if not the best one I had. But when I, he, he was exasperated, he'd get, he was funny, he would flush in the face when he got really passionate about what we're talking about. It. And I said, well, how does God know? And he looked at me and kind of wild out and he said, God just knows. He just knows. End of story. He just knows. And he turned and, and he wasn't mad or anything, but, and then he calmed down and, but we had really interesting conversations. Uh, but anyway, uh, and he was—he came out of a meeting one morning. It's why he was my friend. He come out and walking by me, he said what he was thinking about, and for my benefit, so I'd know why he was upset. And he said, "I quote." He come by me, and I could hear him coming. And as he went by, like a sound, you know, a car going by. But he said. And I tried to tell them it's not real fire. How could it be real fire? If it doesn't kill them, they don't. Why, it's got to be some other kind of fire at least. No? It, and he trailed on off. And I realized he had been the one, and he was known for that. He'd stand up and say, no, uh, what you're saying doesn't make sense. Not really. And like McGee, one of the old preachers, said, if it's symbolic, the reality's worse than the symbolism. So nobody's getting by with nothing. But he's a God of love. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And he was the judge of them and us. And us, he's given us more of a judgment. More than that. He's given us his own heart. His own spirit. And forever and ever and ever we'll have eternal life. No beginning, no end. God himself, we will be that. And I don't think we'll be able to know what that is until it happens and we look back and say, the old man is no more. And that'll be the gift of, that'll be, that's, <laughs> that'll be everything just to be him. Be him, not be with him, be him. And be with him as you, as him in that one profound oneness that he and the Father have experienced and knew before creation and know now. And we that belong to him, that's what we have. Lost people, well, they'll be forgiven and judged and this and that. He'll be fair with them and all that. But guess what? They'll be a creature forever and ever and ever. They'll never be God. Now, that's, some, that's hell, in, in my opinion. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Whoever was not found in the book of lies. 
we are saved and judged to be who we are. And because of him, we're, we're saved. We're, we're who I am in you. Come unto me and buy gold. I'm tried in the fire. We're saved that way. They're not. They can't go through the fire. They would cease to exist. And he died for them before the foundation of the world. He died, I think, when part of his heart was taken and put into a little God and given it free will to do what it wants. But it's still so much a part of a part of him that it lives forever. See, that's really something to think about. He was crucified. He paid the before he could make or before he would make a person. To make him, he had to pay that price. So I don't know. I I do appreciate you listening to the program.